from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Learning from history while preparing for the future. We don't hunt, we don't fish, we farm. Meet our first finalist for Top Producer of the Year. Sustainability, climate smart ag, it all starts in the ground. That we're trying to get the outcome of healthier soil, more resilient soil. We help you flip your soil as the fight to feed millions takes on new urgency. We are in a hell of a situation. The concerns going into this year and possible solutions right now on end. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. We're starting the year in a world where millions of people are still facing food insecurity. And with inflation, drought, and the war in Ukraine still impacting supplies, there's concern those numbers will continue to grow. Now some statistics from the World Food Program. It says the number of people facing acute food insecurity soared from 135 million people in 2019 to now an estimated 349 million people across 79 countries. It says one in 10 people are currently suffering from hunger defined as chronic. Leaders and experts gathering last week at the World Economics Forum in Davos, Switzerland to discuss possible solutions. The executive director of the World Food Program, David Beasley, laying out the problem, saying hunger has continued to grow even after the pandemic. Just when you think it couldn't get any worse, Ethiopia, Afghanistan, and then the breadbasket of the world. Grows enough food to feed 400 million people from the breadbasket to bread lines. And now you've got fertilizer crisis. You've got fuel crisis. You've got droughts. You've got a very bad situation in every region around the world. Beasley, very concerned about ongoing fertilizer shortages, especially in Ukraine. Bayer CEO pointing to new technology as the answer to both feed the world and reduce the need for commercial fertilizer. There are new technologies out there where you would simply solve you know, some of these uh, things that some plants cannot do. Yeah? So corn cannot fix that nitrogen out of the atmosphere. Soil does and soil does not need to be fertilized. We can today with some of the new bio biotechnology uh, solutions, we can teach plants to do that. And with that, eventually save 30% uh, of uh, your all fertilizer that is being used. The World Bank says global fertilizer prices had risen 30% by early 2022, and that was on the heels of an 80% hike in 2021. But work continues to move ag products out of Ukraine. Now, it's reported exports under the Black Sea deal have reached 18 million metric tons. More than 1,300 ships have moved in and out of the area. So just how much snow did California see after all those atmospheric rivers? Check out this map from the National Weather Service Weather Prediction Center. It says some observations indicate upwards of 15 feet of snow fell in the highest elevations of the Sierra Nevada. Those areas are shaded in pink. The state snowpack now sitting at 126% of what's needed by April 1st. This week is expected to be active weather-wise. Meteorologist Andrew Whitmire is tracking a storm that will move coast to coast. And we will continue to watch uh, this change here, this big shakeup here in the pattern as we go throughout the last full week of January here. We're going to be watching these storms kind of traveling down the Rockies into the Texas Panhandle. And then we're going to see the system beginning to strengthen and move its way towards the northeast. Uh, let's go ahead and zoom on in here. 
on this map and put it into motion here as far as the precipitation uh, is concerned here. And again, we're going to see this uh, kind of developing out west. We'll see it dipping on down through the Rockies, a combination of lows, and they're going to kind of transfer their energy together here. And we're going to be tracking one dominant system working its way through parts of the deep south and eventually up towards the Great Lakes Midwestern states, bringing some of those areas their first big snow so far of the new year. And we'll be watching this to move up into the New England states as well. And as we take a look at the precipitation map this week, it's easy to see again where that storm system will shake up a dry out west. We're very active into the east will lead to above average precipitation over the course of the week ahead. Just check out the precipitation over the next 10 days. Again, we're going to be watching a lot of moisture with this system across the uh, deep south plains as well as across much of the eastern coast there of the U.S. I'll learn your Ag Day forecast in just a few. Flip Your Soil on Ag Day is brought to you by ESN Smart Nitrogen. Sustainability, climate smart agriculture, and carbon sequestration are all buzzwords in ag right now, but they all start with soil health. Ag Day's Michelle Rook looks at how farmers can get started as we kick off a week's worth of special reports to help you flip your soil. Clinton, when farmers work in harmony with Mother Nature to flip their soil, they not only improve soil health, but over time they can improve crop yields and profitability on their farm. Mother Nature always wins, and farmer and agronomist Mitch Hora is helping other farmers find success by taking her cues when it comes to applying the principles of soil health on their land. Just keep that in mind that we're trying to get the outcome of healthier soil, more resilient soil, and we got to do that by minimizing disturbance, chemical and physical, keep armor on the soil, keep a living root as much as we can, get as much diversity into the system as possible, maybe integrate livestock back out onto the land, and most importantly, do this all in the context of your farm. To flip your farm's soil, Hora recommends approaching soil health offensively. Cover crops and no-till have been branded wrong. They've been branded as defensive management tools, defense against erosion, defense against water quality problems, but really to actually make these systems work, that cover crop is my offensive tool. It's my nutrient stabilizer, it's my herbicide program, it's my moisture management program, it's my soil building program, it's my resiliency program. So many offensive things. Hora reminds farmers that healthy soils are alive and home to billions of microbes that are actually farming the crop and providing a vital nutrients needed for higher yields. One teaspoon of this healthy soil, more than eight billion microbes. And those microbes gotta eat, they eat carbon simple sugars. And that carbon, those simple sugars, come from plant root exudates, which are pumped into the ground via photosynthesis when there's a living plant. Once those microbes are working, Horace says they'll provide a direct return on investment. I'm not going to have to spend money on herbicide and on the fertilizer and everything else because it's going to come naturally from my system. And that's why on our farm we've been able to decrease our inputs as much as we have and put those dollars right back to our bottom line. We've got to focus on profitability and long-term resiliency here on the farm. I really think these soil health systems are the way to do it. And at the same time, create a better impact on the environment. All right, thanks, Michelle. Now she'll be right back to take a look at how markets wrapped up last week and where we're headed this week. That'll be next in analysis. And later, we're off to Virginia to meet a candidate for top producer of the year and find out the secret to this first-generation farmer's success.
Markets rounded out the week last week, mostly higher in livestock and wheat, but a little bit lower in corn and soybeans. Arlen Suderman joins us with Stonex Group. And Arlen, uh, last week, the soybean market kind of setting back here, we were really focused on South American weather and took some weather premium out. But is that the focus again this week? Yeah, I really think it is going to be, and even more so. Um, granted, that weather is very favorable for Brazil for the most part. We do have some areas that we could use some drier weather to get the harvest done for the soybeans and some safrina corn planting done, but that's not a significant problem yet at this point. Argentina has been very dry. They do have significant problems. Just 3% of the soybean crop is rated good to excellent but half of that crop was planted in the last 30 days. And they've had some rains to germinate the crop. So if it does turn wetter going forward, as some of the weather models are now saying, then it could really respond. So the market's gotta do a little bit of wait and see and see how it plays out. There's some indications we may go dry again. So I think weather is gonna become more of a driver. Lo and behold, we're on the we're knocking on the door then of the U.S. Midwest uh, growing season, and if La Nina continues to die as it's showing indications of now, um, that could really lead us into a wet spring in the eastern Midwest anyway, and create some tight planting windows. That's pretty early, but yeah. that's kind of how we migrate from South American weather then into Midwest here in over the next several months. There seems to be some indecision in the market, and I'm sure some of that comes with some of the economic uncertainty that we have going ahead. That isn't going to change either, is it? No, it's really not. And uh, we're still very headline sensitive. By that, give an example, if uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell come out and say, we need another 75 basis point rate hike, we'd probably see the stock market sell off. We'd see panic. Oh, no, we're going into deep recession. People don't need commodities, so the commodities would sell off as well. And the opposite would be true. If we start seeing Fed members come out and say, I think we've hit peak interest rates. It's time to start taking them back down. I'm going to two extremes here to make a point everything would be wonderful with the world right. money would flow into the stock market flow into the commodities there'd be a risk on type of an atmosphere and with the fed meeting coming up on the 31st of this month and the first of february it, we're going to be more sensitive right. to that over the next couple of weeks absolutely thanks so much for joining us arlen suderman with stonex group uh, we have more ag day coming. contact arlen suderman by email at arlen.suderman at intlfcstone.com Ag Day is brought to you by Germinator Closing Wheels. Germinator Closing Wheels provide quicker emergence and are more consistent in dry conditions than any other closing wheels. Order 12 to 16 rows today and qualify for free shipping or 20% off an end zone moisture management package. Meteorologist Andrew Whitmire joining us here, taking a look at uh, really the, the February forecast as we start to look ahead. What do you see on this map? What stands out to you? Yeah, many folks were kind of wondering, especially across the Great Lakes, Midwestern states, uh, Northeast, wondering, okay, is this finally when winter is going to show up? Well, as we take a look at the temperature map behind me, it looks like winter is just sitting there waving its white flag as saying, you know what, I'm pretty much done here before the season. But we're going to continue to watch here pockets of colder air. That'll begin to move its way up towards the north, and that'll begin to increase uh, some precipitation chances here as we go into February. And looking a little bit closer, too, before we get to that precipitation map, just looking at the temperature map here for the month of February, notice this normal big shaded area here. We're going to be watching for a few pockets of shallow cold air that could come into play at any given time, but as far as a widespread temperatures, 
throughout the month of looking at below average likely not going to happen. But again, that does not mean that we're in the clear yet for precipitation. We'll be watching to see if we can get waves of precipitation yet to be determined if that'll be in the form of the frozen type as far as snow and ice is concerned or if we're looking at more rain showers for parts of the Great Lakes and Ohio River Valley. Meanwhile, likely to look at waves of uh, several systems producing snow for parts of the Intermountain West and as well as parts of the Northern Plains. Let's take again a closer look at this storm track here as we go throughout this upcoming week again in kind of an active pattern taking shape here. Area of high pressure dome that's going to shut the precipitation off out west, kind of leading to a precipitation shield out there. Meanwhile, we're going to be watching this low pressure system kind of digging its way out of the four corners and Texas Panhandle once again. And that's going to increase the potential for snow for parts of the Great Lakes Midwestern states. And for some of these areas, this is going to be the first big snowstorm of this year and for some possibly even of this uh, winter season so far, and we'll continue to track that up towards the New England coastline as well. Putting this into motion here on the jet stream map, uh, you'll see this nice trough uh, building in. That's going to lead to cooler air with this system as well. Meanwhile, a nice ridge out west will keep things nice and quiet off towards uh, the uh, western coast. Uh, but nonetheless, again, we're going to be watching this active pattern uh, taking shape here as we go throughout this last full week of February here across the country. That's a look closer to home. Now let's take a look at your Ag Day Select Cities. Dwajak, Michigan, mostly cloudy, 35 degrees, going over to Farmville, Louisiana. Nice and sunny, high into those middle 50s, and going over out west to Gold Hill, patchy fog in the morning, high 45. Ag Day is brought to you by Golden Harvest. Broad adaptability, high yield potential, solid agronomics, great late season health. The foundations of a successful season start with Golden Harvest game-changing corn. Find your hybrid at GameChangingCorn.com. The classics are classics for a reason. Today, Machinery Pete looks at a modern tractor classic, the John Deere 4440, now fetching some impressive prices. Well, folks, I've compiled over 2,500 auction sale prices on John Deere 4440 tractors over my 33 years track in the market. And I tell you, I've seen some memorable 4440s along the way. Top of the list, of course, famous auction back on March 6th of 2009 in Hamilton, Illinois, by my good friends at Sullivan Auctioneers. It was a guy who struck oil on his land and sold the mineral rights to an oil company from Texas, and as part of the deal, got them to buy him three brand new 4440s that he just put in a shed. And on his estate auction that day in March of 2009, the first 4440 in this line amongst the massive crowd was an 82 model with 47 original actual hours on it, brought 58,000 bucks, purchased by John Kinzenbaugh, still owns it. And that record stood for 11 and a half years until this one sold on an auction uh, October 24th, 2020 in Guttenberg, Iowa. An 82 model with 2,513 hours on it, so for $67,000. And that record stood for just over two years until late 2022. And since then, I've seen three 4440s crack that price. First, first by a sale November 17th in Strawberry Point, Iowa. This 82 model with only 2,747 hours on it went for 72K, new record price. Nine days later, on a Lenox, South Dakota auction, this uh, rare 82 model factory open station 4440, 6,304 hours on it, went for 71K, 
And then just here last week, January 14th, 2023, in Holly Springs, Mississippi, on a consignment auction, this completely restored inside and out 1979 model 4440 went for $73,000. All right, thanks, Pete. Civil War battles, Pocahontas, and the home farm of Secretariat. Just a few of the places the Ingle family farms in Virginia. Their story next in the country. In the Country on Ag Day is brought to you by Pivot Bio. What if you had the nitrogen you need already on seed? Pivot Bio is the first company to apply nitrogen on seed. The nitrogen you need, now on seed from Pivot Bio. Learn more at pivotbio.com. This week, Top Producer Summit kicks off in Nashville, Tennessee with some of the country's biggest and best farmers. It's also where Top Producer Magazine names the Top Producer of the Year. Today, we'll meet one of three finalists for that award, the Ingle Family Farms of Hanover, Virginia. The short drive from home to the office gives first-generation farmer Kevin Engel just enough time to start his day. Give thanks for a lot of stuff and put in a few requests too. <laughs> Upon arrival, the hustle begins. This Hanover, Virginia-based operation stretches across 23,000 acres and grows everything from corn to soybeans, milo to rapeseed, even wheat. This is no easy task. We don't hunt, we don't fish, we farm. Grown, harvested, and trucked to mills, feeding poultry, pork, even people. Seven days a week most of the time, almost year round. It's a work ethic he learned from his mentor. I guess my, my biggest mentor is that man right there on the wall picture of my father. His father moved to Virginia from Illinois to be a farm manager, and his passion bled across generations. My dad had a tremendous work ethic. I mean, you know, farming was just, he lived and breathed it. He couldn't get enough of it. Watching him, Kevin developed his own interest in the business. People ask me what I do for a hobby, I said, farm. <laughs> Today, his family loves it as well. All three of his kids work in the operation. Chris runs logistics, manages trucks, deliveries, farm crews, and everything in between. One of the things you pick up from him is he's always kind of kind to everybody he meets and always tries to help everybody he meets. Son Casey handles the technology and precision side of the operation. As technology changes every day in agriculture, it can get rather overwhelming. While daughter Savannah keeps the office, partnerships, and paperwork in line. It's an interesting dynamic, but it works for us, yeah. And I'm so grateful to have them because I wouldn't want to do it without them. Together, this modern farm delivers grain to some of the biggest agribusinesses on the East Coast. Purdue, Tyson, Smithfield, and Bird Mills, to name a few. Some farmers have a tendency to think that they are the customer when they're buying equipment and buying fertilizer and seed. And then when they sell their grain, they think they're the customer then too. In my opinion, you can't be the customer coming and going. Our customers are the grain buyers. Close ties to their customers and proximity to the Chesapeake Bay is also why they planted some 16,000 acres of cover crops this year via airplane. When you can get your people to really say they enjoy what they're doing, they've got to feel like family. I want that culture to continue. A culture of hard work, respect, and the pure joy of farming. God's promised us all 
increase if we work hard and do our part. Boy, he certainly fulfilled his promise to me and my family. Congratulations to Kevin Engel and the Engel family, a finalist for the 2023 Top Producer of the Year. Now tomorrow, we'll meet our second finalist, Modak Derry from South Dakota. And that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Ag Dan, Clinton Griffiths, have a great day.